You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. We got a lot to dig into today here on the podcast. We'll start by recapping what happened in practice on Tuesday. Then I want to mention some comments made by Sean McDermott regarding the starters and whether or not they're going to play on Friday night. Backup quarterback Mitchell Trubisky had some interesting comments that I want to dig into. And then I want to close out the podcast by digging into an article written by Tim Graham of The Athletic regarding the new Buffalo Bills stadium and just delivered all kinds of important nuggets on what is actually going down with that situation. And so there's a lot to dig into with that, and that's coming up at the end of the podcast. But let's start with a practice recap from yesterday. First of all, some really good news. Jerry Hughes has been activated from the non-football injury list, and he was active. He participated in practice, including some work in team drills. So Good to have 55 back in the mix, and we don't have to mention his name anymore when it comes to not participating as he is now healed and cleared from that calf strain. On the bad news side of things, Markel Lee, a reserve linebacker, was placed on the COVID list, and so he is now in the COVID protocol. A bunch of players that were on yesterday's injury report returned to practice, including John Feliciano, Tommy Doyle, Matt Milano, Trey White, and Mitch Morse. So when it comes to the actual football side of things, it sounds like it was a sloppy day for Josh Allen and the passing game, as reported by Thad Brown and Sal Capaccio. It did sound like things got better later in the practice where Allen had nice completions to Emmanuel Sanders and Jake Kumaro, which showed up in both the recap articles from Sal Capaccio and Matt Perino. What likely contributed to the sloppy start of the practice passing the football is that it was rainy at the beginning of practice. And then of course, Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs did not practice. And so that's going to impact your results throwing the football. Sal Capaccio did write about how it was a good day for the rush offense and Jake Fromm in his media availability. He commented on how the last two days of practice have been run heavy in terms of the team portion of practice. Unfortunately, it sounds like Zach Moss had an injury He left the field early in practice with trainers, and he did not return. So that is something we'll need to monitor, and hopefully there's nothing wrong there. But with him and Christian Wade out, who has a shoulder injury, it left all of the carries to Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, Antonio Williams, and Taiwan Jones. And Matt Perino specifically raved about how good Devin Singletary looked in a full padded contact practice. And so... While it's disappointing to hear that Zach Moss wasn't able to practice and hopefully there's nothing wrong there, it is encouraging to hear that Devin Singletary did well in Zach Moss's absence. Matt Perino also wrote about how the defensive line was dominant. He highlighted Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, Starla Tulele, Harrison Phillips, Justin Zimmer, Mario Addison, and F.A. Obata as making impact plays and said that Daryl Johnson had a wow rep in 1v1 drills. Now, whenever... Defensive linemen do well. That means offensive linemen do bad. And on the blocking side of things, it sounded like it was a rough day for some of the reserve offensive linemen in Jamil Douglas, Jack Anderson, Jordan Devy, 
and Caleb Beninock. And that Caleb Beninock name has been a, a theme when it comes to low-light blocks. And it uh, sounds like he's really struggled since coming out of the team very recently. And then lastly, Matt Perino complimented how Joe Giles Harris uh, looked, and, and that's becoming a theme. A reserve linebacker, sounds like he's always around the football, making some splash plays in, in practice. And um, I don't know that he has a path to the roster, especially with the idea that the Bills could keep seven defensive ends which would eat into the linebackers they would keep, probably five if they keep seven defensive ends. So he's got a uphill climb to make the roster, but I'm anxious to see him in preseason games and uh, certainly you know, looks like he could be in line for a practice squad opportunity. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you could track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and the UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So the next thing that I want to do here on the podcast today is discuss what Sean McDermott said on Good Morning Football when he appeared on the program on Tuesday morning. And first of all, I found it very interesting that Sean McDermott, with seven appearances on the show, is the NFL head coach that has appeared the most on Good Morning Football. Seven. It leads the NFL among active head coaches. And I'll be honest, I was surprised to hear that. What I'm not surprised to hear is that Bill Belichick has zero appearances on Good Morning Football. So Sean McDermott, a man of the people, appearing on national TV on Good Morning Football more than any other NFL head coach. But he was asked about the opening preseason game Friday night against the Detroit Lions and how much the starters were going to play. And he made it clear that some and not all of the starters will play on Friday night and that um, you know there's no guarantee that they're all going to see action in the game. And I liked how he built up to his answer to that question because he talked about how every team is going to handle it differently. And that ties in very well with what we discussed yesterday on the podcast in that every team is at a different point in their life cycle. And a team like the Bills with... 21 of 22 returning starters, the same coordinators, offense, defense, and special teams, same head coach, expected to be a Super Bowl contender. You don't really need to expose your players to the degree that a team like the Detroit Lions is going to expose their players, which is in the infancy stages of a rebuild with a new head coach, a new general manager, all new coaches, new quarterback. Everything is different. So they need those reps. They need those game reps. The Bills... They don't. And so I agree with Sean McDermott in his position to not play all of the starters on Friday. In fact, my list of do not play includes Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Mitch Morse, Daryl Williams, Matt Milano, Trey White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, and Deion Dawkins. Would not play him. Would not do it. I do think that there is a benefit to some of the other starters playing. You think about the guards, right? Cody Ford, Ike Bakker, John Feliciano. 
they all need reps. Starla Tulele, he can get some reps, which I think he needs after sitting out all of last year, so give him a series or two. Ed Oliver, he can certainly take a few reps. Tremaine Edmonds, a few reps, you know, a series or two. But for the most part, that list of players that I mentioned, we know exactly what those players are in the NFL, and they don't need to be exposed to injury. Now, I do think at some point in week two or week three of preseason, it may not be a bad idea to put your starters out there for a series, but I'm not super interested in seeing too much of these starters in preseason, not with how they started the year last year with no preseason, firing on all cylinders, particularly on offense. So I think the Bills need to be cautious with their starters in preseason and then mindful of how many young players haven't really gotten those reps and need live game action. Think about Jake Fromm and the young receivers, Christian Wade, Antonio Williams, these young offensive linemen, these young defensive linemen, sorting out the linebacker depth, the young corners, the young safeties. Those guys need to play. They need the live game reps. So give them as many as possible and keep 17 and 14 and 27 and those guys, that's the safeties, keep those guys on the sideline. Now, I also found it interesting that Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he said that their plan this week for preseason will be the same as last week, where Mason Rudolph will be the starting quarterback once again. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Pittsburgh is the Bills' week one opponent. And what I find interesting about Tomlin's reluctancy to play Ben in preseason is that they have a new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Runs a pretty unique offense, a lot of motion. And Ben Roethlisberger is going to go into week one with very few live game reps in that new offense. And so whether it's just getting the play calls and that process of receiving the play and um, that communication aspect from Matt Canada to executing that offense against a real opponent, That's interesting to me, and I think that's an advantage for the Bills given the newness of the offense and the fact that their offensive line is going to have like three or four new starters, rookie running back. So interesting strategy there by Mike Tomlin and company with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The next thing I want to mention is some of the comments made by Mitchell Trubisky. He met with the media on Tuesday, and I thought he had some notable things to say that I wanted to mention here on the podcast. On his options in free agency, Trubisky said, quote, at first I wanted to go to a spot where I could compete for a starting position, but the right situation didn't come up and that opportunity really wasn't there. So I looked at the next best thing, somewhere I could continue to develop, continue to progress and become a better player and person. And I fell into this organization and I've loved it ever since. So, From those comments, I thought it was interesting that Trubisky really didn't have the opportunity he was looking for to go and compete for a starting gig. And whether that was Denver or the Jets or the Patriots or the Saints or the Washington football team, none of those teams appeared to really be in on the idea of bringing in Mitchell Trubisky. And so for the thought that he can go out there and really position himself to compete for a starting gig – Doesn't sound like that was available to him. And so going to Buffalo and getting a chance to work with Josh Allen and Brian Dable was something that appealed to him, and he said that he loved it ever since. 
Trubisky also said, quote, it's just really nice to be part of a great team and be somewhere where people want you here and they care about how you're progressing as a person and as a player. The game feels a lot more pure than it did the last couple of years. It feels more fun. It feels more free. One aspect in the glow up of the Buffalo Bills in this process of building a contender by Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean that I don't think we talk enough about, but it matters a lot. It is the part of the culture that has been built where there is genuine care and concern and love for each other as people. And it's not just that you're a football player and you have a role and a job to do and do your job. It's not just that. It's caring about one another. And because you care about the people that you're with, because you're genuine family and teammates and brothers, you don't want to let each other down. And that inspires you to be the best version of yourself every single day. And so when Sean McDermott talks about how he wants Buffalo to be a destination that players go and become the best version of themselves. That matters a lot because there's a correlation to that when it comes to performance, right? Like if you're somewhere where you're cared about and you care about the people around you and there's a family culture built into it, you're going to be more dialed in. And that motivating factor of not wanting to let people down is going to really ring loud. And so It's just amazing to me how they've built this up. And I've never heard teams talk like this. You know, you don't hear players all the time. Literally every player that comes into this organization talk about how they care so much about you as people. And everybody just loves being there. Like, you just don't hear that all the time. You certainly didn't hear about it from the Buffalo Bills before Sean McDermott came to town. And so this dynamic that has been created plays a major role in the performance of the team and why we have such high expectations for them. And then lastly, uh, Trubisky said that being in Buffalo has helped his game. He said, quote, he sees a lot more progress with the coaches on the field and the resources here. And look, I mean, Chicago took this guy number two overall. They actually traded up to get him. And he came to Buffalo to be a backup. And he is feeling and seeing more of an investment from the coaches and resources that are in place in Buffalo where he's probably going to be a one-year backup than the organization that drafted him number two overall. Pretty crazy to me. I'll tell you what. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, they've built one hell of a football operation there in Western New York. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors There is something for everyone. They've got coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, and cookies and cream. And there's so many delicious flavors. Maybe you don't know where to start. That's why you should get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. You can try them all and figure out which ones are your favorite. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bar on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180 only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. You want to try Built Bars? I got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBars.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
The last thing I want to get into today is a fantastic must-read article by Tim Graham of The Athletic. The title of the article is Bill's New Stadium Frequently Asked Questions. Here's what we're hearing and what we know about the project. And I'll tell you what, this really cleared up a lot of things. There's been so much speculation, so much criticism towards certain components of what we've heard about the new stadium project. And Tim Graham just really kind of comes over the top and said, hey, folks, here's what's going on. This is what you need to know. Stop the speculating. Get the facts. Boom. And I appreciated this article so much. I learned a lot. And I want to share some of my key takeaways from reading this article from Tim Graham. Again, The Athletic. The name of the article is Bill's New Stadium. Frequently asked questions. Here's what we're hearing and what we know about the project. And so I have four different bullet points that I came away with after reading the article. Three of them I want to summarize for you, and we'll get to those in a second. But the first one, I actually want to read an excerpt of the article to you because I think Tim just did such a good job of making this very, very clear. And so the question that Tim answered is, why does Pagula Sports and Entertainment insist on taxpayers funding the entire project? This is what Tim says. Although that has been the narrative since a lopsidedly sourced Buffalo News report emerged nine days ago, PSC does not and will not expect taxpayers to carry the full load. A story 180 degrees the other way also could have been published with the headline, State, County, Want Pagulas to Pay 100% of the New Stadium. But somebody in government decided it was a wise strategy to put PSC on defense in the court of public opinion. PSC representatives have not made any statements aside from refuting specific aspects of the report. Even so, politicians have furthered the total taxpayer narrative by reacting to the Buffalo News story and with zero information from PSC or the bills. Expect PSC to step forth with its side of the story soon. So there you go. That's pretty cut and dry. Thank you to Tim for pointing that out and explaining it very, very clearly. I have three more points that I want to get into from the article. The first is about why the stadium is going to be an orchard park as opposed to downtown Buffalo. And here's what Tim told us. He said that the cost to build the stadium in orchard park compared to downtown Buffalo is over a billion dollars less. So that is significant right off the bat. It's over a billion dollars less to build the stadium in Orchard Park as opposed to downtown Buffalo. And also, the construction timeline is much shorter. If the stadium were to be built in downtown Buffalo, the timeline to complete the project is estimated at six years. For it to be built in Orchard Park, the timeline is inside of four years. So you save at least two years of time if you build it in Orchard Park as opposed to Buffalo and it costs over a billion dollars less. The next thing that I want to mention is regarding the reason why the Pagulas won't pay the entire bill for the stadium. And this is what Tim said. He said, the main reason the Pagulas won't pay the entire bill is because no small market NFL team has a privately owned stadium. To spend $1 billion or $2 billion in Los Angeles is one thing, but that space simply is not worth that much in Buffalo, which is the 52nd largest media market and shrinking. 
Five NFL stadiums in total are owned by their teams with the Miami Dolphins at number 18 being the smallest market team that actually owns their stadium. So this expectation or belief or idea that the Pagulas should foot the entire bill just doesn't line up with what actually happens in the NFL. And then the last thing that I want to mention was probably my favorite nugget that came from the article is that the planned stadium is set to be built across Abbott Road and the team can continue playing games at Highmark Stadium while the new one is being built and then they can demolish that stadium once the new stadium is set to go. And so we can put aside those concerns that the Buffalo Bills are going to be playing games in Toronto or Penn State or anywhere else. From this article, Tim made it clear that because the stadium is being built across the street, that the team can still play its home games at at Highmark Stadium while the new one is being built. And so that is great news because that was something that I think everyone pretty much hated from that initial report that came out with the speculation that the team could play games in Toronto or at Penn State or somewhere else. That's a major, major, major win in my mind. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. Had a variety of topics to get into, and maybe we will again tomorrow. We'll obviously talk about what happens in practice, but whatever the secondary storylines are that come out regarding the team, we'll get into them as well. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.